0: Welcome to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. It's a podcast about the nuts and bolts of life in rural Australia, the good, the bad and the beautiful. It's my pleasure today to catch up with Queensland cattle producer Amanda Salisbury. Amanda grew up in Monto in the North Burnett, spent a couple of decades honing her skills as a photojournalist in the city before returning to the family property with Mark, her husband, and a couple of kids in tow. Armed with her Nikon and away with words, Amanda pioneered blogging back in the early 2000s and is better known these days as the bush babe of Oz. The house that I'm in now,
1: the house that I'm... I'm sitting in right now is the house I grew up in. Uh, We're um, in a beautiful, as you know, in a beautiful old weatherboard place. It's not not always beautiful, but it's in a beautiful spot overlooking the Nogo River and this is exactly the house that I grew up in and I was away for a few decades and then came home. Have you got generations of family in the Monto area? I'm a Burnham originally. My dad moved here with his family when he was 10 years old. His father was um, not well, was diagnosed soon after they arrived with brain tumours. And back in those days, there wasn't a whole lot they could do successfully. So um, dad began running the place um, in his early teens.
0: Was it always cattle country?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, everywhere up here at that stage was Hereford country. So, Dad was a bit of a goer, as they say. He was very interested in the Angus and the Brahmins. Um, he wasn't allowed to run the Brangus stud originally here on the place. His mother wouldn't have it. So, he ran it in King Arroy, which is the, where they all originally came from. So, that King Arroy Wurulan area is, um, is where our family's originally from, or that side of the family. What is it about the Monto area that is so special for you? Well, I think anyone that's been here knows it's a pretty unique um, kind of area. So the property that we're on is called Ups and Downs. Um, It's extremely hilly country. It's um, granite country. The actual property that we're on is on um, mostly granite country, so it's beautiful, similar uh, in some ways to that Stanthorpe area. There is some scrub in this area, but, you know, it's one of those places that people, when they come in to visit us, will sort of go, oh, I didn't know this was tucked away in here. It's, It's kind of a... Um, a unique little spot. Um, We have a river that runs by our house, the Nogo River, and many creeks. um, Our Actual property is bordered by the river on one side, creek on the other. Um, So, yeah, we we get used to being flooded in here sometimes. That's always, uh, you know, I've got the pantry stocks at all times just in case. Was it the photo or the words that really attracted you about journalism? Oh, Oh, both. For me, they're intrinsically linked. For me, I'm a very visual person but I love words too. You know, the, the power of words is just, you know, I, I think it's underestimated continually regardless of what language you speak. Back in, back in those days, photojournalism represented uh, a photographer telling stories, but I wanted to do both right from the start and I, I was very lucky with um, a couple of generous, brave editors and uh, they let me do both along the way, so I was very lucky. So what was your first story <laughs> that you really remember? Oh, gosh. I can remember the first terrible photo I took. I worked for the uh, area Years in Griffith initially, which was a fabulous um, place and, a, you know, a very sharp learning curve. I, you know, to be honest, I really didn't know very much about photography. I was basically self-taught. You know, I think uni made a bit of a, a half-hearted effort to sort of um, teach me, but I just learnt on the job and so I was going to... I think the first photo I ever took was of a greengrocer, Italian, very Italian greengrocer, in the main street of Griffith, He was very patient with me and uh, we got something reasonable, I think, in the end. I did many, you know, it was one of those jobs that was almost seven days a week, you know, you were were covering bushfires or you were covering, you know, floods or um, taking photos of used cars and, uh, you know, the whole spectrum, but... I was very, I found it just such an interesting job. You couldn't possibly get bored doing that job. It was, it was wonderful. What is it
0: about the journalism
1: side that you um, enjoy just, so much? Well, I think I loved being part of the recording of what was going on. The everyday stuff to me is just as interesting as, as the big news stuff. And you can imagine in Griffith that. Um, around that time so this we're talking the uh, early 90s sometimes the the photos that you took were syndicated around Australia because you know someone was coming over courthouse but the big weather events and that sort of thing because it's such a food bowl down there and I just loved being part of it I think I, I mean I'm an observer first and foremost and I think most good journalists are observers and most great photographers must be observers and I just loved being that close to you know, history I suppose and, and whether the history is in the the small things or the big the big stories it didn't matter to me and it, and it still doesn't I still love seeing things presented um, even handedly too I think and I do miss that a little bit about current journalism. Were you ever afraid as a journalist if you're in Griffith and when I think of Griffith I think of drugs? <laughs> we, lived, and we worked right next door to the police station um, and they were always fantastic, the guys in the police station. But uh, I, I did get threatened once and, I, you know, keep in mind I was maybe 23 or something like that and I do remember taking a photo of someone coming out of the courthouse who was involved in a, a big investigation who wasn't happy with me and um, made a couple of threats. But uh, uh, I think a solicitor came over to the newsroom soon after and reassured me that that had all been taken care of. And when you got married to Mark... Did he have a background in agriculture? Mm-hmm. Did he want to come back to, to the North Burnett? I think the funny thing was, I, I mean, I travelled a lot and moved a long way away and I'd always said, oh, you know, I was going, not going to marry someone that I knew that I grew up with. And, and in the end, I found out that Mark was actually from Monto, from the other side of Monto. Um, I had grown up on a, a mixed farm there. And um, when we sort of reconsidered things, um, we both had very good jobs but um, had had a little fright with... Uh, our son, our firstborn, um, who was born with some serious heart problems and uh, made us think a little bit about how and where we wanted to bring up our our children. And I'd always been passionate about the Brangus cattle that we breed. I I love it. Um, I loved being involved in those regular annual events, you know, weaning and branding and and all those things. So I'd never really lost lost touch with that. And, And Mark was game. So here we are. You mentioned your son. How did you cope with um, his heart problems? When he was born, we were both um, living in Brisbane. I was working for um, the Queensland government. I was a ministerial uh, advisor back then and uh, had no idea of the problems that, that he would have. Um, they were diagnosed when he was seven weeks old and he had his first heart surgery at eight weeks old. So we were living in Brisbane and that was, um, I was very, very glad glad at that point that we were I you know saw many rural people coming and going from the hospital um, people having to um, leave their other kids behind while they spent months um, in hospital looking after their kids so I had a great appreciation of what that that meant at the time um, yeah so we were lucky to get most of his stuff sorted out within that first year um, and he hasn't looked back we, you know we're very fortunate in Queensland to have some world-class um surgeons and doctors in that area very lucky you had your own problems with health um you had
0: breast cancer how was that dealing with breast cancer from the north burnett you know trucking it out to to uh, rocky i think very frequently to have um treatment how is how did you cope with breast cancer from a regional area
1: i think you know i'd seen my mother cope i suppose so that was one side of it and back then they did a lot of the treatment in monto um with her chemo so i had all my surgeries in brisbane that's where i originally was when i sort of we stumbled across it um and it was an aggressive sort of cancer so i was you know i was just saw systems go i suppose and um i'm lucky that i have great support and um i blog as well. so, even though I didn't really share initially, I did share it uh, probably, I don't know, three or four weeks after I had um, been diagnosed and was just completely overwhelmed by the um, support that I had um, online. I have family around. Uh, we live next door to my aunt and uncle and and my whole family was just incredible. Um, you know, it brings out the best in people, that sort of thing. And and I just, I don't know, I didn't look down. I just went. <laughs>
0: Was the online support that you got very important to you uh, from people you didn't even know or how important was it from people you didn't even know?
1: Yeah, well, if you'd asked me beforehand, I wouldn't have said, I wouldn't have said that I would have, you know, I wouldn't have depended on it, I wouldn't have looked for it. Um, but I don't know, it was just overwhelming. And I suppose one of my things when I blog was always that I wanted to try and, um, not necessarily bridge, but establish you know stronger connections, bet- you know, between people from whatever background they come. And to suddenly see that turned around on me, and um, to see well, I, you know, hear from people that have been through it, or just people that you know had me in their thoughts that day, it, it's incredible, really, what difference that did make to me. It did bolster me when when the going got tough. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, I look back now, and I you know I just found the that blog page just before talking to you where i'd first sort of announced it and um yeah it still blows me away reading those those messages now rob it's you know people are there's some good in people it's very reassuring do you think that the social media and um has really
0: built connection between has it been a positive move for people in regional areas
1: oh absolutely um you know it's a platform and uh, I always think when people sort of want to blame it or um, give it all the credit, it's, it's really just a platform and it's up to us what we do with it. Um, you know, some people don't use it for good, but I think on the whole people do. It's given us a voice, um, certainly out here, when we have issues that, that um, you can feel, like I think, a bit more directly heard and whether that's heard by people that make the decisions or just the general public that give them a sense of understanding of, Um, the different sorts of challenges we face, I suppose. I I don't think, I'm not one to run around saying we face all these terrible challenges and isn't that awful. I chose to live here. Um, There are many wonderful things about living here, but unless there's an awareness, it's hard to make a change, I think, and it certainly gives us that opportunity. You're listening
0: to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. Life on the land can be tough, but the people who live there choose to live where they live, and there is a sense of community you won't find in the city in 2016 amanda salisbury won the rural press club social media award so let's go back to the start way back in 2006 when amanda pioneered blogging with bush babe of oz
1: I arrived back here in terrible drought um, at the end of 2006. It had rained soon after, and I think even though I wanted to move home, I just I fell in love with it, Rob. I fell in love with it again, and it was I just couldn't not take photos, and I was emailing all these photos to people, and they were being quite polite, but sort of saying, "You're, you're clogging up our inbox, you know," so, you know, it's a, you know, woo, I think, and I thought, well, I just put them online because, you know, mum and my sister quite like to look at them and, and the name sort of was just a bit of a joke for a start because I had no clue. I was a babe in the woods, really. I had no clue what I was doing when it came to building a website or anything technical. I'm still pretty ordinary in that department, really. I, I fumble along. But I think as it's evolved, I think it got put on Pandora, which is um, the National Archive of Australia where they sort of, you know, they updated something they'll keep as a representation, and I'm one of many, but that they keep as a representation of life in, in this era in, in what's happening now. And um, I, I can remember thinking about that when they offered it um, to me and, you know, I just couldn't believe. It's just a wonderful thing, I think. And, you know, it comes back to that. I feel like I'm, you know, able to, in some small way, to represent a little bit of what's going on at this time in our world. It became more of a soapbox, I suppose. I don't tend to get on my soapbox very often on it because I'm, aware that i want it to be a place people want to escape to sometimes too so it's i occasionally get my soapbox but not too often how prepared
0: are you to tackle the different the difficult issues things like animal welfare um vegetation management
1: veganism
0: uh where you've got very conflicting views would you do that in your blog or would you do it on facebook
1: Yep, absolutely, but not not probably not in a confrontational way. I mean, I've shared um, visitors that have come here that have been vegan. I've talked about probably the one that I've got on my soapbox most about was probably vegetation management, just trying to explain to people what it means to us, that, that it's like tending a garden for us and um, that, you know, the vast majority of people out here sort of don't want to wipe out trees. We love our habitats. We love our native animals, we're just trying to make uh, live side by side with them, I suppose, and keep producing, you know, great, great food for the world. So um, I probably tend to be less confrontational. I have to say, one of my most successful um, soapbox situations was when I complained about an internet. Um, we were rebranding before a very big event and uh, it was quite a few years ago now and uh, had a very, very direct complaint about it online and, and um, one of the guys involved with the NBN um, contacted me about it and said, you know, what's wrong, what can we do, you know, and, and I was able to speak directly to someone who had an influence and I think that probably prompted me to be part of the Burr group as well, feeling like, you know, people that do it well, and calmly and um build relationships that that's the kind of thing i want to be involved in i'm I'm not really a um a flag burner you know (laughs) but people
0: really do listen That, that that website has brought about change in terms of internet communicate internet connection and communications in regional australia
1: Absolutely. It's not just the website uh, or the or the Facebook page. There's a lot of work goes on behind the scenes um, that Christy Sparrow, Kylie, Stretton, uh, Julie Stott does a lot of the, the um, troubleshooting side of things. Kristen Coggan works, um, you know, with the ICPA and, and does a lot of work as well. A lot goes on, a, a lot of communication with government, a lot of communication with industry as well. And I think they feel like they can, um, you know, trust us with the information and trust the feedback that we give them. So um, we've done you know, some really good um, scientific research you know, with the help of Rachel Hay from um, North Queensland, um, from the uni up there. You know, we, we try and do things properly and I think that if you, if you keep doing that and you're willing to work with people, I think, I think you can achieve a lot. But what do you think about citizen journalism? Is it going to replace the Sunshine Coast Daily
0: or the Monte News or the Bundaberg Mail? I mean, is there a place for it?
1: Uh, look, I think there's a place for it. I certainly hope it doesn't ever replace any of those things. You know, the individual has a voice that, that you never would have had once upon a time and, and there are some amazing communicators out there and, and influencers, if you like. Um, I don't tend to get drawn to the influencers. I'm more interested in people that have... Um, are, you know, happy to celebrate their world or um, work towards solutions or any of those sorts of things. But I really think it's important to keep um, an eye on the difference between opinion and journalism because they're two different things. And um, there was an announcement recently we'd lost a lot of um, the publications, the, the hard print publications, you know, for the newspapers that a lot, there's a resurgence coming up of, you know, new new groups, new um, I, I don't know I don't really know some, some of them are independent some of them are you know obviously belong to groups but it's good to see that coming back because I think there's nothing like that to record what's going on in a in a town or an area or a city or, or a state or a country I think those things that at least try to be um, objective I think they're I hope they never die. Amanda,
0: in this uh, time of COVID, how, how are things going in, in the North Burnett? I mean, are you affected or are you just still getting on with your life and the rest, leaving the rest of the world, yeah.
1: world behind? Well, we've been practising social isolation for a very long time, so we're fine with that, that side of things. Um, uh, look, we feel very lucky at the moment and I'm sure there'll come a time where, when it confronts us a lot um, more, um, you know, we're going to face a lot a lot harder challenges I think in our future but um, so far it's affected the kids more they've been sent home from college and from school um, along the way and they had to struggle with online learning which um, you know when you've got other things you'd like to be doing outside which our kids tend to do it's kind of hard to remain focused but um, yeah we have just kept on working we've just kept on doing what we do and um, you know tried to be supportive I think of people that uh, in cities and um, more metropolitan areas that are, that are really, you know, we really feel for what they're going through at the moment. We've had tough times over the last few years and we know that, um, you know, every bit of support matters. So I, I just try and bear in mind what everyone else is going through and just try and get keep, keep doing what we do out here as well. And, and I do share a little bit of it knowing that um, a lot of my readers need that escapism sometimes. So um, I'm aware of that as well. I give them that bit of outside that they can't get sometimes.
0: And what about the season? How's it going? Because um, every time it rains, you are waving your hands in delight.
1: <laughs> uh, I think I'll always do that. Um, uh, even even when we were flooding here, you'll see I was still, you know, enjoying it. Um, yeah, we've had, we've had a tough year um, up until about three weeks ago, so we've had 4.5 inches all year up until then and we had a fall of um, 37 millimetres at the house and then 20 millimetres and follow-up about two weeks later. So um, we've got short green grass everywhere, which is always nice. Black cattle looks so nice against green grass. <laughs> and tell me about these community murals because I, 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 a month or two ago um,
0: there was talk about community art in the Monto area. And uh, really making oh, yeah. a
1: splash what happened what have you done what why should i come here and see the community art <laughs> well I, I i didn't do too much i think i was in right. a very encouraging <laughs> voice in the background possibly um but uh it's something that we've seen happen down south and um monto is a um very agricultural a lot of crops um uh, so we tend we have silos in this area it's very it's a very beautiful picturesque sort of part of the world as well and um, I just thought it was a great opportunity. Some of our local um, very active community members and uh, local council really got on board. And, um, yeah, so we've got some very pretty silos up here and the, the guys that did that have also gone round the town and uh, there's a few little surprises up the street and the water tower and, oh, uh, no, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So we've monto has been inundated lately with a lot of caravans. So, um, yeah, yeah, a lot of people coming out to check it out. And how do you cope with the grey nomads? <laughs> I don't go to town very often. <laughs> oh no, they're fine. They're they're great. Just as long as they're healthy and not bringing. You know, I do. I am. I, I am concerned for our local communities. We have. Um, we're equal distance between Monto and Eyre's Monto has a um, an ageing population. Our, our indigenous population in Eyre's You know, quite concerned for um, everyone's health. I, I hope um, we can keep them all safe. Yeah. Yeah, and you'd have a lot of
0: backpackers in the in the burnet too, wouldn't you, because of the fruit picking. So there really, I suppose, there are some concerns
1: about Yeah, that. yes, that's right. And I know that they, that's something the council has been busy, um, you know, making, monitoring and making sure that everyone's safe. So that's a little bit further south from us. That's the Mundubber and Gander areas where all the uh, orchards are down there and, and um, yeah, we've got nuts down there as well, pecans. So everything keeps going along. We have to keep feeding people, don't we? So. So far, so good. Fingers crossed. Amanda Salisbury,
0: aka Bush Babe of Oz, the rural advocate who doesn't shout. You've been listening to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app and leave me a review. Music was composed and presented by Luke Aidney. <laughs>